Now, uh, why, why do we, why do we, how do we honor God? We honor God by establishing church planting churches, campus ministries, and going to different nations to preach the gospel. So let me introduce myself. I'm Anthony. I'm one of the life group leaders here at uh, Every Nation uh, Bahrain. Right? And also part of Every Nation Campus. Right? campus right? So um, just last week, no, we had our uh, Every Nation Campus prayer drive. Let me show those pictures there. Yeah, and so you, just find Andy. Right? Andy was our human monopod uh, last week. Yes, and um, we we believe, no, we believe that here at Every Nation, okay, that our calling is to step one foot in the community and one foot in the campus. And we mean that, I know, we mean that sincerely, we mean that with the very bottom of our hearts. Now, we believe as we pray, we are in faith. That Jesus will be known in each campus here in the Holy right? Now we hope that as we change the campus, we also change the world. world. Yeah, and isn't that something that we should be hopeful about? No, that's something that's hopeful about. Yeah, yeah. I'm not angry. You might sometimes see me like I'm angry, but I'm not angry. <laughs> right. So yes, and that's something that we should be hopeful about. No, seeking, no, seeking the verses in the Bible. No? We were here during our last week of every tribe, every nation, and every tongue will confess, including Mahalinis will confess, that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Isn't that a wonderful and hopeful thing to aspire for? Right? Amen? Amen. 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 You there? Amen. Yes. All right. Now, uh, I would like to, as I'm introducing myself, no, I would like to introduce my beautiful wife. Yes. So uh, I would like to thank each and every one of you who prayed for us. No, we finally got married uh, in our church, right? Last uh, last June, right? And uh, I would just like to share the story about the two of us. Now, uh, during the pandemic, now during the pandemic, now I was, I think almost all of us were confined in our rooms. No, during the lockdowns, right? And Mika and I were separated. She was in Qatar, and I'm here in Bahrain. And my prayer was to be with my wife, my my fiance back then. I've been praying. No, I, there were there were several lockdowns in in airports were closed. Sometimes they're open. Next week they're closed. So she transferring here to Bahrain seems quite impossible. But even though we're confined in the rooms because of the lockdowns, there is a reason for me to live because I know that my wife will be with me someday. So I've been texting at Hazel back then for tickets. I know she's here now. You know, I hope you know who at Hazel is. I've been calling the travel agency every single day. If the airports are already open, if there are flights from Qatar to Oman to Bahrain, right? And that's a reason for us, for me, to live. And that proves it true. Okay, what what Sandra Atilia, our leader from Victory Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa, said that no human can survive a second without hope. Do you agree? Amen. Now, no human can survive a second, a single second without hope. During that time, I was confined in my room with my cat. We talked to each other. But there's a reason for me to live because I know that maybe next week airports will be opening and my, and my wife will be here and now she's here with us. Yeah. Now, However, the greater question for us is this. Now, sometimes we ascribe our hopes 
to many different things. So Mark, our question for us this morning is this. How reliable is the object of our faith that gives us hope? So I want you to think of that for a second. No? How reliable okay, is the object of our faith that gives us hope? What keeps us going every day? What's the reason why we wake up every morning? Right? Can you think of that? You don't have to share your 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 friends. You know what reason? You have to think of that right now. Okay, what? And what keeps us going every single day and how reliable is the object of our faith that gives us hope? Today, as we try to answer the question, we will look at the pinnacle, the climax, the anchor of our Christian faith, the guarantee of our hope, and that is no other than the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you excited? Yes. Okay. I'm both nervous and excited. No, I've been, I've been uh, jittering in my office, crying sometimes. We'll think about this today. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay, we will talk about okay, as we as we dive deep and answer that question. We will embark on the second installment of our series of first importance. No, and and our our goal for the series of first importance is this: for all of us. To have a deeper understanding of the importance and effect of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But it doesn't end there. Knowing is not the end of all things. Putting it in our heads is not enough. Our prayer is that our lives will result in having a greater vision, having a life that is victorious, and having a life that has the heart for missions. Are you excited? You look very excited. <laughs> yes. If you're here, you're standing here, you really look excited. Okay? Now we're going to study well, the, the power of the resurrection. And as we do that in reverence of the word, okay, I would like to invite everyone to all stand. Okay? I hope you brought your Bibles with you. Physical Bibles. Bibles are important. So let's bring them, huh? And let's read them, right? So let's all go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, okay, verses 4 to 8. Let me read that for you. I'll start with verse 4. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you, O God, for this morning. Lord, may you anoint the preaching of your word today. Do not let this, this Friday, O oh God, just be another Friday, a day off, O oh God. A breather, O oh God, from the business of our workplace, Lord. But rather, Lord, let this be an encounter, O oh God, of your glory. Let this be, O oh God, a, a changing experience, a life-changing experience, O oh God. As we encounter, as we receive your truth today, 
This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, let's all sit down. Alright? So, our first question, also as we go along with this preaching, we'll be answering a couple of questions. Right? We'll be answering a couple of questions. Basically, we'll be answering two questions. Right? And though we're going to answer two questions, I really hope that you had a heavy breakfast. You had a heavy breakfast this morning. Yes. Yeah, you had a heavy breakfast. Yes, good. No? Good that you had it. Uh, can you ask the ushers to close the doors? Yeah, because uh, I will, yes, we're in for a ride today. No? We're in for a ride. Are you ready? Are you excited? Yes. yes. All right. So, the first question that we'll answer this morning is this. How reliable and important is the resurrection? Is it believable? Is the resurrection a concept, a mythology, a, a, a story, a, 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 fantasy, a, fan, a fantasy or fiction? Right? Today we'll be answering that question. We will, we will declare that the resurrection is not just a mythological story, okay? but rather it is reliable, it is irrevocable, it is historical, and it is biblical. Let's start. Right? Let's start in 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 4, it says there that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Right? In accordance with the scriptures. So this was Paul, right? remember, uh, this, uh, let's just build a little bit of context here. This is a letter to the church of Corinth. Right? And the church of Corinth is known for their worldliness. The church of Corinth is known okay, for partially being Christians. Yet, they're only Christians whenever they wanted to. They have anchored themselves with the worldliness of life. And as a matter of fact, the early Christians back then in the church of Corinth, they, they worshipped the Lord only in their heads. But it's never seen in their actions. Does it sound familiar? It sounds familiar. I'm not saying how and why, but it does sound familiar. Okay? Because when we face in the mirror, we see a trace of what Corinth is. Because true believers of Christ hold fast on the truth of the gospel. It isn't just a truth in our heads, but rather we go out and do the word of God. It translates in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm not angry. This is just how it is. Alright? Now, let's design deep. So, accordance with the scriptures. What does that mean? What does Paul try to say to the early church of Corinth? Right? First, we have to understand that in accordance with the scriptures refers to the power of the resurrection. That the resurrection is not just a mere event. It is not just a fantastical event or imaginary event that happened. But rather, it is found and validated in the scriptures. The first, that's the first thing that we need to remember. That the, that the resurrection is validated in the scriptures. Validated in the scriptures. Let's begin. In the Old Testament, the resurrection of Christ was long being prophesied by numerous Old Testament texts. That's why I'm asking you if you had your breakfast today and if you brought your Bibles. Because we're going to dive deep with the Word of God today. So are you ready? Yes, yes let's start. Okay, let's start with this verse. Can we all go to Genesis chapter 48, verse 16a? Genesis 48, verse 16a says, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. This was Jacob slash Israel. Okay? Blessing his sons. 
And that verse that we've just read moments ago is the very first time, very first time in the Bible, that the character or attribute of God being a redeemer, deliverer, or savior was referred to. Okay? Please take note of that. So back in Genesis, okay, there was already this attribute that people ascribe to God as a redeemer, as a savior, right? Or deliverer. Okay? First evidence in the Old Testament. Second, let's all go to Job chapter 19, verse 25 to 26. Job 19, verse 25 to 26. You know why I'm doing this? So you get have you will have the feel of opening your Bibles. Feels good, no? You're opening it. Job chapter 19, verse 25 to 26. Let me read that for you. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. That's Job. In the middle, in the climax of all the trials placed upon him by Satan, by the enemy. And as his skin is being peeled off because of his disease, as he witnesses his entire family being collapsed down by their house collapsed on them, as his possessions were just simply wiped away. This is the thing that he said. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of life's trials, Job adored and worshipped the Lord. He said, for I know, I know that my Redeemer lives and the last he will stand upon the earth. God was the anchor of faith in times of despair that gives Job hope of a life in eternity. That's evidence number two in the Old Testament. Can you still follow? Evidence number three. Let's go to Psalm 16, verse 10. Are you there? Psalm 16, verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to show, or let your Holy One see corruption. This is now David. In In the midst of the chaos, right? Saul was dead already. Okay? And after all, the after him being hunted down by Saul, okay, this is what he said, right? That look for you will not abandon my soul to shown or let your holy one see corruption. This song by David expresses the confidence of the lesser David to the greater David. That he that greater David will be victorious over death. Death, not death, death. That that David will be victorious over death. And finally, last evidence in the Old Testament. Of course, there are many more evidences. We will not end if I find everything. Okay? Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And here we will see Isaiah now prophesying. Of course, he's prophesying for the people of Israel back then. Okay? But 
his prophecies are not just on that timeline or that time particular event in history, but it's also looking forward to the resurrection of the Messiah. Let's always remember here, everyone, that the resurrection is already foretold in the Old Testament. Through the resurrection of Christ, Old Testament prophecies, Old Testament prefigures of a Savior, a Redeemer, a Christ, okay, has already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. His suffering, His resurrection, Him being our Redeemer, it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's the Old Testament alone. In accordance with the Scriptures. Can you follow? Okay. In accordance with the Scriptures. Of course, there's still the other half. The New Testament. The New Testament validated and authenticated Jesus' claims and His deity. Now, I will just, for the sake of time, there are three verses that I'll only use, only coming from one gospel, that's Mark. Okay? Let's all go to Mark 8, chapter 31. It says there, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, he will rise again. Mark 9, 31, For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will... You can read, right? They will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. Mark 10, 34, And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. The resurrection of Jesus... The resurrection of Jesus Christ validated all these claims by Jesus himself. It has proven that Jesus is indeed God, for he rose the three days after he died. That's the power of the resurrection. The resurrection fulfills the Old Testament prophecies, and it also validates, vindicates even Jesus as God in the New Testament. That's just the introduction. Sorry, Jim. That's just the introduction. Now we've known this, we've, we've validated, okay, biblically, that the, that the resurrection, okay, was prophesied in the Old Testament and validates what Jesus has claimed in the New Testament. Question now for us is this, why is this truth important? Okay, it's just plain research, I mean, we love researching. But what does it all need to do? This truth is fundamental. This truth is significant. This truth is essential because this proves that the resurrection of Christ is part of God's divine plan. Mm. The resurrection was God's plan. The resurrection of Christ shows us the sovereignty of God. That God has orchestrated the restoration of His creation to his, for His glory. And when we say the glory of God, we talk about the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, that God is loving, that God is just, that God is just that He cannot let sin unpunished. That's why He has to send His Son to die on the cross for us. 
And it is an attribute of love because we see that because God loves us, we ourselves, through the power of the Holy Spirit, witness God's glory through Jesus Christ. Remember, in time, John chapter 1, we witness His glory through Jesus Christ. That's why it's important. The death and resurrection of Christ is not an afterthought. It's not an afterthought. Because right at the very moment where Adam and Eve fell into sin, can we go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15? Right at the very moment where Adam fell into sin, God has already foreshadowed the defeat of the greatest enemy. The defeat of the serpent, the defeat of the enemy, by a future descendant of the woman. It says here, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is why this truth is important. We may not see or realize its importance, but for God, it has always been a priority. For Him to restore His creation for His glory, let's put that in our heads. That even before the beginning of time, God has orchestrated His grand plan of salvation. Isn't that worth celebrating? Amen? Okay, are you there? Yes? Isn't that worth celebrating? That at the very onset of man's dark descent to sin, God has already planned the restoration of His creation. And what's more amazing is that the greatest manifestation of His love for us is sending His own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Again, the question that we're trying to answer here is how valid, how reliable and important is the resurrection? That's reason number one. It's validated in the Scriptures. Let's go to reason number two. Okay? Reason number two, it's validated by numerous eyewitnesses. Again, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4 to 8. Verse 5, And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. We all know that the resurrection of Christ was witnessed by numerous people. From Peter to John and the rest of the apostles. It is not just hearsay, because many people have witnessed it. Not just witnessed, but experienced Jesus flesh and blood in front of them. And later on, if you have time, go to John 20, 19, verse 20. I will not read the verse anymore for the sake of time. Okay, We see here that Jesus fulfilled what He said to the apostles. That He will be raised on the third day. Third, third reason is this. Okay, The resurrection of Christ is reliable and valid because it's validated by the skeptics themselves. Let's go to verse uh, verse seven. Sorry, verse seven. Okay, of chapter fifteen of First Corinthians. It says here, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Main character to need to look into is James. James here is the brother of Jesus. Yes, Jesus has brothers. James. James, say hi. James is the brother of Jesus. 
Now, James is known okay, as a doubter. James is always pursuing Jesus okay, just as his brother. Now, imagine growing up together, and here you see him teaching, doing these wonderful signs. Okay, in Mark 3, chapter 21, it says here, And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he's out of his mind. John chapter 7, verse 5, it says here, For not even his brothers believed in him. One of those escapes. Why would I leave you, man? We grew up together. I saw you growing up. And truth be told, Jesus was rejected in his own hometown. In Nazareth. But here we are. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he appeared to James. James, despite his hatred, James, despite of his unbelief, had that turning point, a life-changing experience. And what was that? James encountered the risen Christ. Imagine that, a skeptic, an atheist, an unbeliever, a doubter of God, believing in Jesus Christ. Becoming a leader of the church, there must have been something that have happened there. There must have something that happened there. James became a prominent and pillar of the early church in Jerusalem. Skeptic number two, the very person who wrote this, sold the persecutor of Christians in verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Saul, the persecutor of Christians, terrorized the early Christians back then, the early church. But he encountered the risen Christ in Damascus. And he even committed his life from Saul to Paul. The resurrection was a turning point for him. See, this resurrection is not just an event. It's not just an event, but it's a life-changing experience that catapulted change of direction and perspective that even skeptics from Saul to Paul, from unwillingness and doubt Okay? Doubt became a declaration of who Jesus is. The resurrection, resurrection changed their doubts to declaration, their questions to testimonies, even to the point of death. Imagine that. If the resurrection is not valid, if it's not true, why are people so willing to die for it? That even skeptics and doubters are willing, are willing to die for it. The last question that we need to answer is this. Now that we've known that it's valid, it's valid by the scriptures, validated by apostles, validated by even the skeptics, what are the effects now of the resurrection to us now? Okay? It's easy to go home now and still think, Okay, so we learned that the resurrection is true. So what? So what? And truth be told, sometimes us Christians, 
modern day Christians. The culture of the world has left on us this mark that we love to feel good. That we come to church because we're asking what's in it for us. Right? What's in it for us? We in our heads have developed this consumerist mentality that I come here to be fed. Okay? Which, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, we want to be encouraged, of course. But we have to put into mind that the resurrection was orchestrated by God. That even if okay, we're not interested in the resurrection, God is interested with us. That even though we're not interested in the resurrection, while it is, God has always been pursuing us. Okay? Now, what's the effect of the resurrection today? I'm about to end two things. One, the resurrection gives us hope for today. The resurrection is a testament that God is faithful. If God did fulfill the prophecies in the Old Testament, if God did fulfill and validated the claims in the New Testament, we know that the character of the God that we worship, the God that we serve, is that He is a faithful God. We can trust the Word of God. The resurrection gives us a wonderful example. It gives us this, this model that we can hold on to. That the God that we worship is alive. The God that we worship is faithful. That every word from God, every promise, okay, we can hold on to it with certainty that He will fulfill His promises according to His will. As we trust the Word of God, we also believe, number two, that the resurrection gives us a life of freedom and victory. Freedom from what? Freedom from the worries of the world. No worries of life can overcome the hope from that, is, that is anchored upon a faith that is certain. Faith is the anchor. Hope is the excitement that we feel. See the difference? Faith is the trusting that we anchor upon something and the feeling of that promise that we hold on to is the hope that we have. And we have to remember here that as our faith is anchored on the validity and reliability of the resurrection, we can face today with hope that we can face every single day with freedom. If we are in that, yes, we pray to God. We pray to God for provision. But even if the provision is not here, and if God's answer is a no, we trust the Lord's sovereignty. If we are sick, yes, we believe that God can heal us. But even if God's answer is a no, we still believe the Lord Jesus. We still believe in the sovereignty of God. If we have lost a loved one, we believe that God can restore but if God's answer is a no, we place our full trust in Him. Because we know God is an unchanging God. God is a promise keeper. We can trust our faithful God that even in the midst of our suffering, we can count it all joy. But it brings us steadfastness and perfection. And matures us spiritually. Even if our prayers will be answered with a yes, 
or a no. May good things when happen or for the worse, we can be assured that God remains faithful. God remains good. The problem with us humans is that we ascribe the goodness of God with the good things that are happening to us. But God's goodness is never changing. That even bad things are happening, God remains good. Amen. 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 Second thing that we can do for today, hope for today, is a part of that maturity. As we experience the forgiveness of the Lord, we too can forgive. For we were forgiven. Look around you. Has people offended you? The reminder to you is this, that you can forgive. Why? Because you too were forgiven. We can bear one another. We can forgive each other. We can be truly Christians. We can be truly be followers of Christ because we love our enemies. We pray for our enemies earnestly. We are true Christians because we love one another as Jesus has loved us. We always remember that there's hope for today because we can do all these things, not because of our own might, but because we experience the power of resurrection as the Holy Spirit moves in us. You know, more than experiencing the resurrection every day through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit also empowers us. And this is my last point, that the resurrection gives us hope for tomorrow. That we can endure all the sacrifices and persecutions. We can be confident to count everything as lost with that ultimate eyes on the prize, pursuing Jesus all the way into eternity. We can face death, stare at it with no fear. Because we know our future is secure in Christ. Thus, we can preach the gospel boldly. We do not rest in complacency, but rather we move hastily we move with urgency to forward the gospel. For we know that the sacrifice and persecution that we may experience is nothing compared to the glory of the life that is to come. Death is just but the beginning. J.A. Packer said, Jesus' resurrection demonstrated his victory over death vindicated him as righteous and indicated his divine identity. It led on to his ascension and enthronement and his present heavenly reign. It guarantees the believer's present forgiveness and justification and is the basis of resurrection life in Christ the believer here and now. That's a summary of everything that I've said. Question for us today is this. How reliable and important is the resurrection for you? The resurrection of Jesus is reliable and true because it's validated in the scriptures. It's validated by his apostles. It's validated by even the skeptics. And more than that, we trust and believe because this is God's divine plan. The resurrection of Jesus is the anchor of our faith. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees that our preaching and our faith is not in vain.
You know, because Christ is alive, we can live. Of course, you can live even without Christ. But the kind of life that we have is a life with an unwavering hope for today. A kind of life that has a certainty. A kind of life that has a certain hope for tomorrow. That's the power of the resurrection. Before I end, I would like to ask you this question. And maybe let's all stand up uh, as we're about to pray. I would like to ask you this question. Let's go back to the very first question we had a while ago. How reliable is the object of your faith? What are you relying on right now? Where do you put your trust on? Should you put your trust on something that is temporal? Should you put your trust on something that will be shaky? Should you put your trust on something that will fade away? Or should you put your trust on the validity, reliability, inerrancy of the truth of the resurrection? I want to pray for you today. You know, the word resurrection comes from the Greek word anastasis. Anastasis, which means to raise up. So you answer the question of how reliable is the object of your faith. What are areas of your life that needs to be resurrected? Maybe you've been a Christian long ago, but there are aspects of you that are down and trodden. That there are aspects of you that it seems that you're losing touch with the Word of God, that you cannot even hear the Lord anymore. Or maybe you came here to this church not even understanding what this hope that we are talking about. You know, anastasis, the Greek word. Of course, it means to resurrect or to live again. But it also means to raise up. God is calling you today. If you haven't heard the beauty of the gospel, why don't you, I invite you, everyone of you to bow down your heads. That's you. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus right now, to experience that hope for today and that certainty of tomorrow, I would like to invite you to just raise your hand and surrender. While no one's looking at you right now, please do raise your hand. You know, even though you're you're not raising your hand, but in your heart, in your heart, your spirit is raising it. I would like you to join me in this prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you, O God, for your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we repent, O God. We are deeply sorry, O Lord, for holding on to things, O God, that we felt will give us security and comfort. Lord, we pray that as we let go of these idols, O God, of these false gods in our hearts, O Lord, that we will come running to you in surrender. 
that we will come confessing your name as our Lord and Savior. And as we turn away from sin, O oh God, we run into you and live a life, O oh Lord, that is glorifying to you. This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you were a Christian for a long time and you just came here to church because you want to serve, it's, it has become a responsibility, a duty, something that you need to fulfill. If that's you, you raise your hand right now. If you're here because your life leader told you so, if you're here because some senior in this church has told you to do it, and you're losing the purpose and the meaning of what you are doing, you raise your hand right now and can surrender. Lord, we want to experience your life-giving spirit once again in our lives. Lord, we pray that we will encounter you once again, O oh God. That every single waking moment of this life, Lord, that our purpose will be ever so clear to answer your call of honoring you and of making disciples, God. Lord, we repent, we ask of forgiveness, Lord, for many times we have just taken our ministries in a so mundane and ordinary way, O oh God. Let us have that delight that rests in you. Let us have, O oh God, that delight in your word. That your word, Lord, will be abiding in your word, O oh God. And you will abide in us. Bring us back to our first love. And that is loving you, O oh God, fully and fully. This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let us all receive the benediction. I was praying to the Lord this morning. Lord, what should be the benediction that the church will finally hear? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Same chapter. This one of the final words of Paul in this chapter. As we anticipate the hope of today, as we experience that hope for today and anticipate the hope for tomorrow, this is God's message to us. Let's all receive the benediction. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not. Lord, we just want to thank you today. We praise the meaning of our word. May you be glorified in our lives, O oh God. May this not just be another set of knowledge that we put in our heads, Lord, but rather let us be doers of your word. Let us be your extension of your grace. Let us be known as your followers as we love each other, bear one another, forgive each other. May this church be as one, Lord, answering your call to preach your gospel, to honor you and make disciples in Bahrain. This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright, we're now dismissed. Uh, I hope we get to see you again right next week for the last installment of our series of First and Foremost. Join us today.